Hello, this is Adrian Savino, and you're listening to Circulated. On the first episode of season three, we're joined again by Kenny Lee, economist from Shreedizy, and James Rodriguez, senior real estate reporter at Business Insider. Kenny is back by popular demand for a second show, and we're lucky enough to have James give us insights on national rental trends on the tail end of a series of articles he published with Business Insider. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you both taking the time. I know you're busy. Um, So, James, I want to start with you uh, to set the stage a bit. Uh, Can you kind of take us from the pits of pandemic lower rents to where we found ourselves in the summer of 2022 and and kind of like transition into early 2023? We saw record high prices. Uh, I know you touch a lot on new housing formation and uh, a departure from kind of a standard living dynamic. So just wanted to kind of understand uh, that trajectory and understand how renters kind of adopted a new approach. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's been a roller coaster. So you think back all the way to the spring of 2020, and what we saw was this uh, kind of dramatic exodus from dense, uh, you know, crowded urban centers. You think of New York and uh, Chicago and San Francisco. People really started looking to suburbs and surrounding residential areas. And uh, so, uh, you know, I've seen researchers describe it almost as a, a donut effect where you had these you know, crowded urban centers that we're seeing uh, population declines and then increases in the surrounding, you know, the donut part, uh, the, the suburbs and the other residential areas. And so um, that's kind of when you were seeing this peak of, you know, landlords offering months of free rent or dramatically uh, lowering asking rents, uh, especially, you know, here in New York where, where I live. Uh, and then you saw this kind of interesting counterbalance, which, uh, you know, people had stimulus checks. And then also there was this really stark uh, change in, in how people wanted to live. You know, you had so many people who were stuck at home and really about reevaluating their living situations. And so um, you saw this dramatic uptick in, in household formation, basically, you know, individual units. It could be groups of people living together. It could just be one person living. But you saw people, you saw an increase in, in household formation, basically, you know, think of a maybe a couple breaks up and they were living in a one bedroom and then each of them goes and rents a one bedroom or, uh, you know, roommates kind of splitting up or a recent graduate moving out of their parents' house. Uh, so you saw an increase there, which really kept, you know, demand in these urban centers from falling off a cliff. And so um, it was kind of this this counterbalance counterbalancing force. And at the same time, you also saw people just wanting bigger spaces in general. And people living together, maybe they're in a one bedroom prior to the pandemic, and then both of them start working from home, and they realize they need more space. And so they upgrade to a two bedroom. So not only did you see an increase in the number of units that people were demanding, but you also saw an increase in the size of the units that people were demanding or the number of bedrooms. And so um, that really just kind of kept, again, provided uh, the the reason why you saw rents continue to climb in in places like New York and Chicago and Boston, you know, and, you know, even in San Francisco, which was kind of the the hardest hit by this pandemic area exodus, you you saw, you know, rents remain remarkably resilient. And and again, you know, there can be different stories within these markets, but generally speaking, you know, when I was writing about this report from 
the Economic Innovation Group, which, uh, you know, they really dug into the census data to tell this story of the how household formation, basically people getting sick of living together and, you know, moving out on their own, how that really, uh, you know, prevented rents from falling more than they did and actually kept, you know, rents increasing in these uh, crowded metros. And so, you know, that brings us to, you know, through 2022, 2022, you saw a lot of the, you know, rents continuing to rise. Even in 2023, we've seen, uh, you know, record high prices here in Manhattan. Uh, you know, you are starting to see, you know, an inflation really, uh, you know, impact people and made in slowing household formation, uh, some economic uncertainty as well as people maybe survey the landscape and think maybe it's not the best time for me to, to move out on my own. Maybe I continue living with roommates. But, um, you know, I, I think that kind of brings us to to where we are today. Yeah, and I appreciate you kind of setting the stage on that. Uh, so, Kenny, in terms of uh, inventory levels, I took a look at StreetEasy's data dashboard end of uh, September, uh, looking at just breakdowns between one, two, and three bedroom plus. There's 12,000 current one bedrooms. These are rough numbers. 12,000 one bedrooms, 10,002 two bedrooms, and 7,003 bedrooms in, in, in New York available by end of September. Per James's reporting, we saw households form at the quickest pace on the smaller side, so studios and ones. How have you seen... If you've seen similar, you know, trends in New York, uh, I know James was talking more uh, nationally. Have you seen similar uh, trends in New York with regard to uh, absorption of smaller units? And then, if you know these these smaller units are absorbing quicker, how are larger units, you know, two, three, four bedrooms, kind of faring um, end of twenty two into twenty three? Yeah, what's really interesting right now is that inventory is down across all bedroom counts in New York City. Really, the market has been through. A roller coaster ride, as James put it so accurately. But during the peak rental season this year, an average studio and one bedroom rentals actually received way more inquiries than rentals with more than two bedrooms in New York City. The number uh, based on Streetie's data is actually 38%. Basically, one, in, one bedroom and studio apartments receive 38% more inquiries compared to larger apartments with two or more bedrooms. And that's really surprising because when rents are really high, a lot of economic, conventional economic theories would suggest fewer renter households will form and average renter household size should, should grow. And it's really simple. Renters would logically try to team up and split the high cost of rentals when the rents are rising. But our data really shows that the opposite is happening in the city. Even when rents are really high, New Yorkers are actually prioritizing finding their own space, even if that means paying higher rents than what you will pay when splitting up the apartment with the roommate. You know, there could be a lot of people who are now teaming up with maybe romantic partners. You know, pandemic has really expedited a lot of relationships across the city. Also, hybrid work is taking hold in the city right now. A lot of people are going into the office part time, but they still have the option to work from home. What that really means is that many people might be interested in finding dedicated office space within an apartment. It's a lot hard to do that with roommates in a, in a larger apartment. Yeah, and I wanna bookmark um, just what you said about people working from home and spending more time at home. Uh, we're gonna to touch on amenities and you know what activations and, and, and programming uh, buildings are delivering. So let's, let's, let's bookmark that for 
uh, future. Um, so James, I was reading an article from February that you put out in Business Insider on, on why rents could fall. And although median rents were kind of continually hitting new highs through end of summer uh, 2022, we're starting to see growth stagnate now. Um, tell us what you saw in February that allowed you to make that prediction. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, demand can be a little more difficult to forecast. But what I was really looking at back then was supply, which was there's a really interesting supply story going on, which is that we're seeing more apartments delivering this year and next year than at any other time in the past, you know, 50 something years. And so you have this historic level of new apartment construction going on that's uh, you know, more than 971,000 units at the end of uh, 2022 were scheduled, were, were under construction and, and about more than 500,000 were scheduled to be delivered this year. And then, uh, so you have this huge chunk this year and then next year as well. And so really it was the story of kind of the market adjusting to this huge wave of new apartments hitting the market. And that's not to say that there was suddenly going to be this you know, oversupply that would continue for years into the future, but kind of that that pendulum swinging in the other direction to give tenants, particularly tenants who are living in, you know, class A kind of higher end apartments where a lot of the developers are focusing new construction, giving those renters uh, more options. And so, you know, when you have more options that leads to landlords, you know, bringing down asking rents or offering some sorts of concessions like months of free parking or months of free rent to just continue to get people through the door basically and continue to keep occupancy high, especially when, you know, landlords are dealing with uh, higher operating costs as well right now. So, you know, you have a lot of landlords who are focused on just maintaining occupancy. And so when you have all these apartments delivering, um, you know, for, for renters, it's good news, right? Because you, you, you have more options and, uh, you know, I think for, for landlords is kind of just navigating this period in 2023 and 2024 when you have all of these new deliveries. And then, uh, you know, at the same time, you look, you look ahead to 2025 and 2026. Right now, there's been a, a decrease in apartment construction uh, as, you know, developers are dealing with higher financing costs, higher interest rates, and tr- trouble getting financing in some cases. And so you could start to see, again, the pendulum swing in the other direction uh, you know, a few years down the line. But when I was writing that story in February, it's really all about just looking at supply and, and what that story was telling is that you would expect to see rent growth moderating, you know, in, in some markets where there's been this these huge increases of supply, like my hometown of Austin, Texas, you're actually seeing rents, uh, asking rents down slightly year over year. And, and that's really, again, uh, a story of supply. And then also, you know, some, some changes in demand is, again, uh, people maybe grow concerned about the economy. They're thinking about inflation. And so they're deciding, hey, I might just stay with my roommates a little longer, or I might just, uh, you know, stay at my parents' house or, um, you know, delay those, those big life changes, even if they are, you know, one day hoping to get more space. And so Kenny, a uh, similar question to you. In the most recent Street Disease Market Report, you open with the following. New York City's rent growth is showing signs of slowing as the median asking rent fell to $3,775 in August from $3,795 in July. While a modest decline of just a half a percentage point, it marks the first monthly decline of the year. The median asking rent in August was still close to the record high in July, but year-over-year rent growth in August was only up 
That's almost five times slower than in August 22, when the median asking rent rose 31.1%. Can you build on this? Yeah, I think um, the situation in New York is still a lot more competitive compared to other rental markets in the United States, such as the South and, and the Southwest in particular, where there were just a lot more number of new construction deliveries that can open up a lot more options for renters, really giving renters a little more power in the market. But even though the market in New York City has been so competitive, good news is that rent growth right now is almost five times slower than the rent growth back in summer of 2022. Besides the seasonal slowdown in the fall and winter this year, I think really the recent increase in rental inventory in New York, I think really gives me some hope when it comes to the future of the rental market in the city. Of course, the market has been really tough for a, a lot of renters, but over the past year, there's been just a tremendous amount of increase in new rentals appearing on the market in New York City. Um, in August, for example, there were more than 39,000 rentals in New York City looking for new tenants. And that's 15% higher than one year ago when the inventory really reached rock bottom in New York City as renter demands outpace supply in the city. And I think rental inventory will continue to rise next year. That can potentially slow rent growth in the city, giving some relief for a lot of renters right now. Yeah, so Kenny, I'm going to stay with you. Um, you mentioned in your most re- recent report that in within Manhattan or within the city of Manhattan is seeing the the inventory climb the quickest. Is that because of new supply being delivered? Is that because popularity in other boroughs like Brooklyn, Queens, and the South Bronx is is kind of you know increasing, or is it maybe a combination of both of those um, both of those items? Yeah, a lot of people were actually surprised by this development that. Renters can actually find more opportunities in Manhattan right now. Um, I think this is actually mostly related to the normalization of the rental market after the roller coaster rise since the pandemic. Across all boroughs, inventory was very, very low in 2022 after the demand for rentals really came roaring back. Now, the inventory of rentals is catching up with rising rent, really encouraging more landlords to list vacant units on the market. Of course, in the lower Manhattan, the rental inventory tends to be a little more expensive. Uh, There can be a little more premium because of proximity to offices. There are also more new developments in the downtown area of Manhattan. At the same time, the rise in inventory isn't because renters are looking elsewhere. The demand in Manhattan is still hot. I think it's still outpacing the supply because of just historical drawdown of the rental inventory in the market. In August, on average, rental listing in Manhattan received nearly a little more than 26% uh, in terms of average inquiry compared to the pre-pandemic level. But the, the number of rental inventory is still much lower than where it used to be in, uh, in Manhattan before the pandemic. That really means that the competition will still be there in Manhattan. Uh, And as a result, the the rent growth will slow, but not as much as many renters might hope for. 
Yeah, and then I kind of want to speak to, you know, expansion of renter choice within Brooklyn. You know, we're seeing amenity-rich, and this is not just Brooklyn, but Waterfront, Queens, South Bronx. We're seeing these amenity-rich buildings being delivered um, at a, you know, discount. I, I use that word lightly to to kind of Manhattan. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, some of those options. You can talk about, you know, the population that's working from home now that might need you know, uh, bright and light, you know, co-working space in the building, you know, a high-end gym, um, other amenities that might kind of draw them to move to that area versus lower Manhattan. And then maybe, James, you can talk to some other amenities that you're seeing, at, you know, at a national level that are drawing in, you know, new renters. So, Kenny, you can go first on that. Yeah, I think uh, the, the hybrid work is really reshaping the local renter market in, in New York City. When we look at Streety's data, one of the most popular neighborhoods for renters are actually Long Island City, Astoria, also Lower Manhattan. And as you know, there have been a lot more new construction deliveries in these areas, really expanding options for a lot of renters. I think co-working space is just another example of developers really trying to get uh, the renters demand, the renters who are looking for both options, uh, more personal space, as well as attractive amenities in the building. Also, they want to make sure that their commute to office is in a reasonable amount of time. In, in Long Island City, for example, Manhattan is just one or two subway stops away. And uh, the increase of newer rental buildings in these areas can really open up more opportunities for renters throughout New York City. Yeah, James, yeah. Same, same question to you. Just in turn, and you can talk mm -hmm. to other markets. I know you're from Austin, so if you want to maybe talk to, you know, uh, areas that are kind of up and coming or or are kind of uh, building on themselves, whether it's you know Austin, you know, you, you mentioned Chicago before, uh, San Francisco, anything that you're seeing with regard to uh, new creation of of neighborhood and or you know amenities that are being delivered in those neighborhoods to attract and and pull away. Um, renters from you know more established uh, areas of those cities. Yeah, it's interesting, and and uh, you, Kenny, you you talked about you know co-working spaces, and we see emphasis on gyms as well, and and I think a lot of that is kind of a continuation of trends that you saw even prior to the pandemic of just trying to uh, kind of provide a, a, as much as as you can to keep to keep renters in the building and, and satisfied with everything they have at their fingertips there i mean i actually just did a recent story on uh, student housing uh, which is this booming sector and uh you see some really amenity rich uh new developments in in that sector i was just back in austin touring a, a new 30-story uh, luxury student housing complex that had uh had a rooftop pool, two saunas, a gym, um, uh, in-house coffee bar downstairs. And, and that's not necessarily uh, common across all student housing complexes, but you do see kind of the shift toward, um, you know, especially with students, a lot of them have, you know, their parents footing the bill, this shift toward more luxury amenities within those spaces. And so, um, I think a lot of it is just kind of recognizing that people are going to be in their homes a lot more. Uh, you know, you do see this kind of pushback from employers to get people, you know, returned to the office. I think that's the big movement right now that have people reconsidering, you know, just how far can I move away from the office if I have to go in now maybe twice or three times a week. I think that's a, a much 
different calculation than people were making early on the pandemic when it seemed like maybe, you know, especially employers were kind of talking this talk of, you know, we're going to go remote forever. And we're seeing that people can, uh, you know, still work productively from home. I think you're seeing, uh, again, kind of a pushback on that and more of an emphasis on, on hybrid work. And so, again, you're going to see people, uh, as Kenny mentioned, prioritizing more uh, commute to the office. And, um, you know, at the same time, I think the like I said, the pandemic has really kind of reshaped how people think about their homes is not just this place where they can go at night to, to go to sleep. I think people are demanding kind of more of a comprehensive uh, suite of amenities with the recognition that you know, they want more space. They're going to be there a lot more. Yeah, I mean, uh, the real deal put an article out in, on September 12th about you know New York City having having kind of a small post-Labor Day office bump, but California, Texas, other major cities uh, within major states that you know have big uh, you know tech uh, finance uh, sectors are just not seeing this kind of back to office. Uh, I think materialize how office owners might or office operators might want them to. So I think right. the the focus on amenities, the focus on um, if someone is going to be living in a building that might be fully integrated, you know, you live upstairs, you drop your kid off at school downstairs, you go to the gym within the building, you eat there. There's everything is kind of in, in one specific place in one specific building. Um, there's going to be kind of a, an arms race to build um, that kind of product as quickly as possible. Um, so any kind of like bold, you know, we typically sign off with bold, bold predictions uh, moving forward. You guys both talked about you know, the breaks being put on a rent growth um, at the end of 23 into 24. Anything that you're seeing, uh, James, I'll keep it with you. And then Kenny, we can finish off with you. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned looking ahead to, you know, the rest of this year in 2024, I think continuing to monitor apartment supply is going to be, that's going to be a big story moving forward. Uh, and just how that continues to open up more options for renters. And, and again, the story isn't the same across all markets, you know, Kenny touched on, the Southwest. So you look at markets like Phoenix and Las Vegas and Austin, these markets that, that got really overheated during the pandemic, you're starting to see those come down to earth at a faster rate than uh, you're seeing some, some of the markets in the Northeast and the Midwest where you didn't see as many developers building new units there. And so those markets are actually still more resilient in terms of rent growth. And uh, you're seeing people kind of have, have to uh, maybe, remain with roommates or kind of stay in place um and you know they're they're battling a little bit more of a you know those those markets are relatively more affordable but you know renters are still kind of thinking about how how can i save here um so i, I would expect you know in those markets like i mentioned austin and las vegas and phoenix to uh you know continue to see some of you know more options for renters and and landlords to kind of have to balance more of uh, you know, what kinds of perks am I going to offer to people to get them through the door? Um, I think that's that's going to be a continuing story and, and operators just looking at how can I maintain occupancy in those cases? Uh, that's that's really what I'll be monitoring in, in the year ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, keep in touch and curious to see what articles come out uh, between now and uh, end of year. And Kenny, to you, same question. Yeah, one thing I can say is that the rental market will look a lot more normal next year with, with cooler competition than this year, at least. It's a little ironic that the market looking more normal is my bold, uh, bold prediction. 
but that's that's actually uh, I'm being more hopeful about that, and that's really related to increasing inventory across New York City. For a lot of New Yorkers, rising rent affordability has been really foremost concern for a lot of renters. But this recent improvement in inventory really has the potential to slow down the rent growth next year. One reason is that mortgage rates will remain high for a long time, hovering probably well above 6% for the majority of 2024. That really means homeowners right now uh, locked under a very low mortgage rate score before and during the pandemic will more likely consider renting their homes on the market rather than selling in a tough market uh, next year. That means rental inventory will probably continue to grow, putting brakes on rent growth next year. Yeah, and there's going to be a constraint on supply. Most of those people that are locked into, you know, uh, lower than historic rates uh, or average, you know, rates are going to not be so uh, willing to sell to enter into a, a way higher, you know, uh, interest rate environment. So uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people looking to buy or able to buy. And the, the units that are or houses that are going to come to the market are going to be you know fiercely competed over. So I think most people will be forced to rent, and that'll continue as a trend. Um, James, Kenny, appreciate the time. This was great. We'll have to get you back both or both back on at some point in the future. And uh, it was a great conversation. Thanks. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, guys.